Welcome to the NPL Sunday Night Show, powered by the Brisbane Football Review. Hosted by Scott Owen. Well, firstly, what a surprise Adam goes through a game at Moulton Bay. And Adam Pace. I was going to say, I was actually going to say, yep, that's, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Let's, let's go have this one. Your weekly NPL recap starts now. And welcome to another of the NPL Sunday Show here on the Brisbane Football is Scott and Adam with you. As usual, Adam, it's been another massive long weekend here in Queensland. How are you? I'm good. Happy Easter to you and all our listeners out there. And uh, yeah, it's been an Easter extravaganza of football, at least on the men's side thing, with the um, with the women sort of being involved with uh, Kappa Cup this weekend. Um, but uh, but yeah, like uh, obviously the, the Easter weekend has not disappointed. Absolutely happy Easter to all our listeners out there. Hopefully you enjoyed some good chocolate and football over the last couple of days. We will talk about the MPL men's FQPL1, FQPL2, as well as the Kappa Women's Super Cup fixtures played over this weekend with those leagues having a weekend off. We'll start, Adam, back on Thursday night out at Walter Park in MPL men's action with Brisbane Roar Academy travelling to Walter Park, as I said, to play against Moreton Bay United. And it was a 2-1 win for the Brisbane Raw in that fixture, Adam. Goals from Sam Klein and Josh DeMarco with a late late goal from Nick Bernardi for the home side. But this was a very, very even contest, but for the but for the goals. And in fact, Morton Bay hit the post twice and had one cleared off the line. So it was a very, very even contest, as I said, which the Raw were just able to get over the line in. Yeah, it's uh, it a game that I'd say that uh, Morton Bay, it just was not their night. As as you said, you know, hit the post twice, reduced our 10 men on, I think what we call a very controversial call. We'll get to right, that Rightly or wrongly, uh, I'm try, trying to sort of keep my, I guess, my preconceived bias as well. To that, I have my own views on that, but, uh, but well, I digress. But, uh, yeah, look, Morton Bay... Last couple, I think last couple of games as well. I think they've been very, very unlucky. I think you can tell that they're playing well enough. It's just not going in for them at the moment. I think, and I think that's the one thing. But again, this is a results-driven business, and uh, at the moment, that's uh, that's three straight uh, losses. We'll hear from Roy Spray in a minute about that. It's frustration, but it does seem that's the case. And they create a lot of opportunities in there. They hang around in games a lot more, but as we know, they expect we expected them to do, but. That losses that keep up front is very obvious, isn't it? And it's just it's just not clicking in that front there with Rio Ono and some of the other players have brought in at the moment. It's just not quite haven't quite found that combination and that path to goal consistently yet. Yeah, like I said, Rio Ono, we know we know he's probably one of the best players in the league. I think there's no there's no question about that. Uh, but yeah, the combinations at the moment they started Young Will Gulo up up front as as a bit of a change up. Uh, for Marquez Walters, who came on the second half, and also as well the experienced Jeremy Stewart, who we, we know for ourselves, you know, he, you know, playing for both both Sunshine Coast clubs over the years, you know, he's certainly you know can go and score plenty of goals, but uh, even he seems to be struggling to find find his rhythm and find you know find a path to goal at the moment. So I think that's the I think the biggest frustration for Royce Brownlee is not the fact that Morton Bay are struggling; they're actually playing well enough. It's just the result and the I guess they've got nothing really show for it and I think that'd be probably more frustrating than if the side was playing poorly absolutely and it is a side most near and dear to your heart if you like and if it, without wanting to get Royce Brownlee upset here so be careful with how you answer this question how would you look to organize that Morton Bay front line you mentioned you got Jeremy Stewart with a lot of experience Rio Wono Lyndon Farr floating around there a couple of young players doing really well you mentioned Will Gula they got a they scored a bunch of goals in the under 23s and they did really well in that competition last year how would you go about trying to to go about finding a few more goals. That's really the only thing missing at the moment for for the Jets, isn't it? To be honest, I wouldn't change anything. I just think it, it's going to fall. I, I just the only thing, the only fear is that you don't want to rest on your laurels too long. Otherwise, the season might get away. But uh, look, some some poor team in the next couple of weeks is going to is going to cop an absolute barrage when it all starts to click. Uh, there might be certain adjustments. I think uh, obviously. Yeah, you know, I think it's interchangeable between uh, potentially Will Gulo and uh, and Marquez Walters. He's obviously still trying to find his feet. You know, back in Queensland after spending some time in the lower leagues in Victoria. So, I, to be honest, I wouldn't change too much. I don't, I don't think the 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 silver bullet is mass changes. I just think you just got to persevere and hope that those players finally get some confidence and get some luck. 
that may very well be the case. I, I would at least consider down the line at some point maybe moving Declan Smith back up front. Who knew he was an outstanding goal scorer in years gone by, doing a great job at the back, but maybe they might be, might need him up front. That could be a break glass and emergency option in a month or so's time if it's still not clicking. We'll move on to to the, the big moment of the game, which was the red card, about 15 minutes from time. Reese Gwyn Jones came on off the bench at the back there for, the, for Morton Bay. He was shown a straight red card for a challenge. I think it was on Trent Millard from memory on the on the t- near touchline to us, and it was a very strong challenge. It's fair to say, Adam. I think I don't think anyone disputes the fact that it was a it was a bookable offence. I think it was the and it, you could even just say it was a forceful, a beyond the reasonable amount of force in the challenge, but. The, the, the referee at the time, I believe I overheard talking about studs, and I, I, I didn't see studs, so I'm not sure whether... I think it was I think it was maybe a justified decision, but the, the studs description, I'm not sure of. What did you make of it at the time? Uh, seeing it live, I thought, yeah, it's, it's a yellow, without without doubt. It was a strong forceful challenge. I guess the, the I guess where it gets in, where it gets interesting is the explanation that referee Zach Keenan gave, and I think we were very, very lucky that we were we were within you know, a good five minutes away, and we heard everything. And the fact that he said oh, that it went studs up, which is what absolutely sent the Morton Bay bench apoplectic, and that, and that's and and Wynn Jones himself because he did slide in, he slid in with knee, it was it was high contact, and, then, and you could. Basically, argue that perhaps the, the excessive force of the contact may be enough for a red card in itself. But I think where the referee lost control of that situation, where it really got the backup of the Morton Bay bench, was the fact that it was the studs up explanation, which I think that he got wrong. I, I'm, you know, I've seen, seen it, you know, seeing it live, seeing it replay, seeing we watched we watched it, you know, back on. Um, on YouTube a couple of times, you know, after and like every every time we looked at it, it was it was sliding in, it was excessive force. But I think that's where that's where referee went wrong was that the actual explanation. I think you know, once you get into if he had not said the studs up thing, you could be subjective and say that was the force sliding in was that enough for a straight red card because of the fear of you know causing in, injury and whatnot. But Look, yeah, I, I thought for mine it was a yellow card. It's that proverbial orange card, as, as we say, that, you know what, clear yellow. If it was a red card explained correctly, perhaps, you know what, you subjectively, you know, subjectively and objectively as well, you'd probably accept that. But as soon as the, the word studs up came in, that, I tell you, was probably, from what from my vantage point, was, was a wrong call as far as, you know, trying to explain it. Yeah, I, I, again, I didn't see studs. I certainly, if you want to argue it was reckless, I would certainly, I could certainly buy that argument. You want to say it was excessive force, I can certainly, I can certainly subscribe to that as well, but the studs part was probably an inaccurate thing. And it didn't necessarily change the flow of the game because the game was still very even at that point. In any way, I mean, because Morton Bay were pushing forward anyway, and they were still able to push forward and had opportunities, and they did get a goal back, but it didn't, didn't necessarily hurt the flow of the game, but it certainly affected the second goal where they were caught out short at the back. And Adam, I want to talk about the Raw now in terms of their part of the game where they they were quite impressive in their bounce-back performance after they lost to Power last week. One player who certainly caught my eye, I think caught your eyes, was young Thomas Waddingham on the left-hand side, cutting in from that left-hand side. It was his first start for the Raw Academy. He looked really sharp and he good quick feet and looks like he could be a prospect. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think for, for mine, here's a standout player for, for the young Raw was Thomas Waddingham on that left-hand side. Really, really impressive. He really sort of you know, caused some trouble for that uh, right-side defence for Morton Bay. And uh, I'd be interested to see whether this was just a one-off, you know, obviously with you know, the way that Morton Bay played up, that whether that suited him and, you know, especially against you know, better teams, you know, whether he can have that same sort of impact. But he obviously he is a highly prized um, prospect uh, from from you know, Edge Hill up in Cairns as well. Come come down, you know, obviously to pursue his football dreams. At the moment, he, he certainly does look you know, a good prospect you know, going forward. You know, where the Raw obviously seems to be a bit light on in attackers, obviously with a number of them you know, moving on to uh, the senior team. Absolutely, and it was a. A couple of players who made their return to the NPL side, actually, Lou Zabala, who played. Actually, Lou Zabala played last week as well, Sam Klein, that middle midfield, and they looked a lot more solid in there with those two, didn't they? They did. Uh, obviously, Lou Zabala, at this level, he's he, he actually looks like the player now that we thought he would. He, he clearly probably, you know, him and Alec Mills uh, is another one who we think that will, you know, get some 
eight league men's football minutes in between now and the end of the season. They look at two players as well that, you know, of that side are the, the senior players, the ones that, you know, the influence of the game flow goes through them. So I think it's no surprise seeing him. Sam Klein coming back, we know how good he is. Uh, he, he's another one who's played a, a bit of senior football but probably needs to establish himself at this level. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I think definitely the, the Raw at the moment, they've got, they've got some good young prospects, especially with, I guess, at this level, some experienced heads. And I think that, uh, that, I think they'll, they'll be all right. I think that, especially when they start playing some, you know, teams that they'll match up better against, I think, I think they'll, uh, obviously, you know, do well. See what happens next week when they go to the gold line. After the game, we caught up with the head coach of the Brisbane Raw Academy, Chris Grossman, and the head coach of Morton Bay United, Royce Jones. That's what they both had to say. We'll be back right after this. I'm the coach of the Royal Academy, Chris Drossman. Chris, 2-1 winners here tonight over Morton Bay. It's always a tight, tense game against them. You have to be happy to get the result. Yeah, definitely. I think pleased for the boys more so. Uh, we challenged them during the week. We want to continue to bounce back from results, which we sort of flow, ebb and flow. We uh, have a good week and, and not so good week. And it, it's a tough month for us. But as I said at the start of the year, there's tough games throughout the season um, every week. So this was no different tonight. And we weren't going to take it lightly because uh, the league table was very, very close. So um, the boys had to battle at times tonight. I think first half was some really good football from us. I think physically we probably um, struggled that little bit in the second half to, to dominate the way we liked. But, um, but yeah, really, really pleased we, we hung in there because, you know, 12 months ago we were we were uh, licking our wounds inside after uh, after a result which looked, looked good until the 89th minute and then not so good. Absolutely, a bit of a different result tonight. You mentioned last week you were looking for more consistency and less turnovers and so you're happy with the way those things went tonight? Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, first half we were really, really pleased with. I think uh, second half, uh, I think circumstances of the game changed things a little bit and we just needed to be that little bit braver and smarter of where we played and how we played. But, um, you know, to the boys' credit, they defended well when they needed to. Um, we created some really good opportunities. Tommy Waddingham, uh, Nathan Ewan, uh, Juki played well again today. Uh, so we've got a lot of boys coming in and, and doing a job, which is pleasing. Um, and we've got a lot of tough games to come, so we'll continue to keep uh, you mentioned Tommy Waddingham, that was his first start tonight, I think, for your side. How, he seemed to have outstanding performance. The only thing missing in his game was the goal. Would you make of it? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think uh, I'm not too sure whether that was his first one with his right foot. Um, but he did create a lot of chances. He, he, he's a player which is uh, fantastic to watch. I think, uh, you know, for us in the academy structure that we've got, it's about providing him the opportunity and, and continuing to help him grow. So I'm really happy to see him tonight get his opportunity and uh, and cause a bit of havoc out wide, which is what we expect. So there's elements of the game we'll continue to work on, but I'm really pleased with, with his uh, contribution tonight. It's funny, you've got Lions away next Friday night. That's sort of a bit of a standard barrier test. Looking forward to seeing where you side matches up against him. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It'd be good to see a few of our old boys as well. But, um, yeah, it's it's not an easy league this year, this year. So week to week, there's always going to be a different challenge. They're, they're obviously a, a beast which has started to gain momentum. So we'll have to be smart about what we do. We'll have to go look at footage and uh, get the boys recovered. I think it's good now. We've got a couple of days to, to recover before playing Friday night. So, um, yeah, it's a tough period for the boys. But, uh, you know, I think tonight was a reward for, for the hard work of wanting to get back in the winning race. I'm oh, joined by the coach of Morton Bay United, Royce Brownlee. Royce, 2-1 defeat here. Your side pushed hard today, never not quite able to get it done in the end. Oh, look, it's week in, week out at the moment. Um, we're just not converting our chances. You know, we're creating enough chances. We, we put Olympic to the wire. We score our chances. We win the game. And the same, you know, last week against, you know, City. Um, and we're just, the goals that are going in against us are good goals. Yep. You know what I mean? So we're, we're defending well. We're doing everything right. And moments... In lapses of concentration, we're conceding, so it's frustrating. You mentioned that you had two off the post tonight, one stuff like it just seems like that's the sort of way that your season's going so far. Oh, definitely. Look, and, and last week we had a, two penalties not given. Tonight was two penalties again, you know, and then a straight red card that was, you know, at best a yellow card. You know what I mean? It's just disappointing we don't have any consistency week in, week out, and unfortunately that creates your luck. Yep. Uh, what are you going to say to the players down to pick them up ahead of the game next weekend? Oh, look, for us, it's about keep playing football. You know, we've got to keep building. If we go and change and try and do something different, we're going to fall apart. We're, we've got a good group of boys, and it's just not falling for us at the moment. You know, like Jeremy Stewart's had four one-on-ones now in, in the one game, and, and unfortunately, he's not converting. You know, Kez and um, young uh, Gulo's come on, and he's, they're just missing, just missing. Is part, so one last question. Is that part of the knock fitting in the front? Is that the new combination not quite gelling yet, or is it just that it's not, fall, not falling for you? I think it's, yeah, it's one, not gelling. And I think, you know, even Marquez coming up from Melbourne and not playing for a year, um, he's got to find that confidence and that fitness again of, you know, of not just training, but of actually playing. And, and look, Jez, Jez is an experienced player and it's just not sitting for him at the moment.
And thank you to Chris and Royce for their time there once again. As always, Adam, we've on to the action on Saturday. And it started for us out at Spencer Park in the Brisbane City's first MPL men's home game of the season. And it was the first Brisbane Classico of 2022 as they played host to their old rivals, Lions SC. And the visitors picked up a 2-0 win. Adam, goals from Alex Fechner and Joey Duckworth. It was a very even game, but Lions just shaded it and had those couple of moments of quality, didn't they? Yep, I think that's what it comes down to is that um, look, Alex Fechner, I think at the moment, for, for mine, he's, he's probably the best player in the competition. Yeah, the way the way he's playing, he's really he's really sort of, you know, gone on with as far as, I think it's ever since grand final day where, you know, he scored a couple of goals in the grand final. His confidence is so through the roof at the moment. He, he's even overshadowing um, Andy Pengelly at the moment in that uh, front yeah, you know, in that front line, four lines, it may be the Pengeli effect that is why he's getting space and why, you know, while the, while the fence are trying to shut Pengeli down because they know how dangerous he is, he's getting a bit more freedom. But he is certainly taking taking his opportunities. I'm glad you've taken my thunder there on that one because uh, Alex Fechner is certainly, for me, he's been the player of the year so far in the NPL Quinto men's competition. He's been absolutely superb. And you're right, the Andy Pengeli effect, if you like, of him being there being a focal point may very well be a part of it, but that combination between the two of them in, in the front third is just clicking so beautifully. And look at the chance that he converted on Saturday afternoon. It was only nothing more than a half chance, really, initially, and he took it so, so well. And the combination between the two of them right now is absolutely sublime. I'm sure Andy Pengeli is being watched by a number of clubs at the higher level. So is he still performing? And perhaps could, is it worth bringing him in in the A-League offseason to have a look at him? But if they are... I think Alex Fecht is doing a great job of putting his name up in lights right alongside him. Those two are playing outstanding well, well at the moment. And and right now, it ought, it looks like that is the best strike combination in the league. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I absolutely. I, I think so. That, uh, yeah, that definitely that, uh, that Andy Pengelly, but he's, he's got the same name recognition, obviously, on the national level. You know, part of that, that Strikers um, 2019 FFA Cup semi-finalists, as well as obviously being an absolute, you know, goal-scoring machine. So he'd have the he'd have the name, obviously, recognition. But Alex Fechner's uh, performances, especially especially you now this season, you're right. It's, it's, you couldn't get one without the other. I even think even Matt Rodenton as well has been very, very good. Obviously, he's he's you know, played. He's obviously played the, at A League level. He's a you know, a Kiwi international player. So obviously, he he also would have some recognition in terms of name. But uh, yeah, if, if you're going to start look take, start taking part this uh, Lions side, if you're if you're an A League men's club, you certainly can't look at those two without actually looking at um, Alex Fechner. I'm sure Darren Simon is sitting looking up all sorts of references now. <laughs> Shakespeare references about us trying to dismantle this, so they won't be too pleased with that. But he was very pleased with Joey Duckworth's free kick off the second goal under the wall into the bottom corner. You don't see too many free kicks go under the wall and actually succeed. It was, um, he certainly enjoyed it, didn't he? He did. No, we're sort of uh, we're joking at how long it's been since Joe Duckworth actually scored a goal because uh, he he obviously was once upon a time, you know, he was he was a forward, he was scoring goals, he was a Golden Boot winner a couple of years ago, and uh, all of a sudden, like I said, he's he's played a different role, which also as well. While we don't exactly, you know, from a point of view of we don't agree with it, I think he's we think yeah he's a better striker, but obviously the results. Um, the results certainly have shown that you now, as a defensive midfielder partnering up with Sean Carlos, Lions have been probably uh, enjoying a uh, real sort of you know, golden age at the moment. He's he's part of it, but it's nice to see uh, Joe Duckworth on the score sheet. So he doesn't score goals anymore, but he scored one at the weekend. And by the way, so far we've told Dar- we've um, told Darren Simon how to pick his team, and we've tried to move a couple of players. And I'm, I'm not looking forward to the next time we have a chat to him, to be honest with you. But so we'll most swiftly move on to Brisbane City, who for their part were quite competitive in the game. Whether they were certainly in the contest and worked out and had a couple of really good chances in the first half to take the lead. And if one of those had a fall on their way, it could have been a different game, couldn't it? Absolutely. Uh, again, this is another game where 2 0, but certainly Lions didn't have their, their own way. Big, big occasion for Brisbane City as well. A, a, a very, very good crowd. It always is for these, these classicos, it must be said. Even last year when Brisbane City were in FQPL, they met in round seven, I do believe, of uh, the. FA Cup preliminaries, they, um, no, so air tracks always a big crowd. There, there's a lot of history to this fixture. And, I, and like I said, for 
like I said, a lot of people that are maybe not so praised the history, you know, calling this game uh, quote a classico. Uh, then it's the question why that now there is a lot of history. It is a 50 year plus history. Both teams are very, very dominant in the seventies and early eighties, two foundation clubs in the NSL. So there, there's, there's plenty of rivalry. And even, even in 1972, there was a, a right, you know, in a, in a, in a grand final. That, that's how much passion is in this contest. Maybe obviously now with a lot of world rivalries, you know, between clubs, it's not as, uh, it's not as sort of bloody and not as you know fierce, but still it it means a lot. So especially the older uh, sort of you know patrons of the club, you know, and, and like I said, these games always seem to produce you know, something. And uh, while two 0 scoreline probably doesn't reflect the uh, true nature of the game, because City were in this for for a long way. I see. Well, here's the question. Just a moment. You make a good point about the um, importance of this game, and it certainly so. This this class go more than the last couple. Seems like it had a lot more on it from Brisbane City's perspective, given it was their first home game back in the NPL Queensland after their return to the competition, their first game back as a men's side at at Corporate Stadium since their since the damage they suffered through the floods a couple of months ago. So it seemed like all those factors combined, it just seemed like this one went a bit more to Brisbane City as a club, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think it's a big, it's a, a so it was a big occasion, not only because of the classico, but yeah, the symbolism being back playing after, after the, uh, after the floods. And there are still reminders, you know, even going, going to the, you know, going to the ground just outside as well as seeing, seeing a ground that, you know, still temporary fencing there that, you know, it's not fully 100%, you know, recovered, but uh, certainly good enough that, you know, they can actually get you know, get a big crowd in on a Saturday afternoon, which is another thing I, I quite enjoyed about uh, this game was the three o'clock kickoff. And, uh, and yeah, like I said, it was, it was a grand occasion for City. I think the only thing I was missing was the result. Absolutely not sure if that was planned due to scheduling, broadcasting, or just the fact that it needed to be played at that time of day, but it was absolutely fantastic to be there on the Saturday afternoon. Maybe Brisbane City could consider playing a couple more games there. We'll have to wait and see if that time slot works. So after the game, we'll with the head coach of the Lions, FC Darren Simons. Let's see what he had to say. After his up to tap a 2 0 win in the Classico over Brisbane City. I was going to coach a line, Darren Simon. Darren, 2 0 winners here in the Classico over Brisbane City. You must be really happy with that? Yes, really happy with the performance. I think, uh, you know, the first half uh, went as expected. You know, we, we certainly didn't want to come out here and press too hard in that first half because of the, the heat and the conditions. It was a slower pitch. So, um, yeah, I, you know, once we got into half time and gathered, Second half is a lot better. These occasions are always tight and tense. I'm sure you were prepared for that. Was a bit of extra buzz around the place this week with the, the big derby game? Yes, there was. We um, spoke at length about the importance of this game for the club, for both clubs, really. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of history there. And I just said at the end there, they've made a lot of old lines people happy, which is great. Talk about the front line in a minute, but firstly on the clean sheet, you have to really wrap with that first clean sheet of the league season. Yes, you, you saw what it meant to the boys at the end there. Um, you know, there was a, a resoluteness today that I, I, you know, I'm not saying it wasn't there and, and games gone past, but there was a, uh, a strong desire to keep them out today, which was uh, very pleasing to see. At the other end, Alex Hett continued his really good form. Is there anything he's developed in his game over the pre-season that's led to this rich run of form at the moment? Um, I think we've just given him the confidence and the freedom to play... You know, centrally, um, but we're also asking him to to drop a little bit deeper. You know, he's he's used to getting it in behind in wide areas, so we all know that he can deliver a ball from there. But at the start of the year and, and towards the end of last year, I mean, you saw in the grand final as well when he's able to get on the ball centrally. He's got uh, teams panic, um, so that's that's good. You know, if he can draw two or three players, then someone's free. Just finally, you got um, Roar and the. At home next try, looking forward to that matchup. Couple of players of yours going against their former side. Yeah, um, you know we uh, we are we look forward to every game, absolutely. But uh, at this point of the season, it's about the three points and just accumulating as many points as possible. So yeah, there's obviously that little bit of added spice to it. But um, I think the boys are on a bit of a roll at the moment, so really, really striving to make sure that we continue that. 
And that was a very happy Darren Simon. Don't know if he'll be happy to talk to us again next time after that, but we'll have to wait. Uh, we'll, know, we'll know Friday night. We'll find out, absolutely. We'll move on now in the, in the meantime to the second game of the doubleheader, which we covered, Adam, which was Peninsula Power 1-0 winners over Gold Coast Knights. An early free kick from Ante Poliak curled into into the corner of the net, the difference between the two sides in a game which was, it's fair to say, very even, very niggly between both sides, a lot of, a lot of fouls, but... Ultimately, a bit of an um, arm wrestle, which Power perhaps just got the better of. Yeah, this this was an arm wrestle, this game, and no doubt. And two top-quality sides going at it for, for 90 minutes. And the difference was one set-piece in the fourth minute from uh, Ante Poliak, who I would say, if, we, if we're saying that Alex Fechner is probably the player of the season so far, I think Ante Poliak is also in that... Um, it's in that conversation because he has been, he has been sensational, you know, as far as a pickup for power goes and yeah, it keeps on going the way he is. And it's almost like, well, we were all worried about how, how uh, Andy Pangeli's departure from power was going to affect them. It might be negligible given, given the output that Poliak has, um, has put in so far this season. It's a very different type of striker, isn't he, Ante Poliak to Andy Pangeli? Maybe a lot plays a bit wider, maybe perhaps a little bit quicker running in behind the goal. Not that Pangeli's slow, but it's a little bit different stylistically, and it's just given him a different threat, hasn't it? He and Brenton Fox gives him a little bit of that extra mobility in that front third that maybe they didn't have last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Brenton Fox, uh, Polly, I can even, we can't sort of forget Josh Woolley as well in that in that front three. It, it is it is um, a, a different uh, type of attack, which uh, which I think at the moment, uh, ever since sort of the, the um, especially the last uh, couple of games, it is going on beautifully. I think, uh, again, only 1-0, this result. But I think that's more of a credit as well. Gold Coast Knights, even though they were defeated last night, they they still are a very quality team. It Just for them, it just didn't didn't fall from them, I think, for them. It was just one of those nights where if they used up a lot of their luck in that on, on opening night, these are the sort of nights where that, that, um, that their, their luck sort of deserted them a little bit. We'll talk about Gold Coast, but it's just back to Peninsula Power, Adam. It, how much do you reckon this result meant to them? Because it certainly seemed like, from where we, our vantage point, a number they're they're very passionate on the deck there at um, AJ Kelly Park, and they're certainly getting right into this. And it seemed like the result meant a lot to them in terms of making a real standard RML market down to the fact that they are back-to-back premiers, and they're still very much in the fight for that. Particularly given this is a new look power side, a couple of younger players got their opportunities in the side. I think particularly Josiah Hitchcock was outstanding when he came on in the game. So it seemed like this result meant a lot more to them than it normally would. I think for power, I think wins against the likes of Gold Coast Knights, Lions, Olympic. I think they're the ones that mean the most to them. Not not to say that they don't that you know they're not every win is equal, but this this one, it, you're right. It did seem like definitely the whistles want to celebrate. Maybe occasions well of Aaron Phillips' 150th game in charge in the league may have also crept in. Maybe the fact that this was a marker laid down ahead of a massive round five Australia Cup tie in a few weeks' time. Look, it could be a number of things, but I think also as well, most of all, I think there's a real belief in the place now that the three-peat may be on. That at the moment, obviously, Olympic are flying at the moment. We'll get, we'll get to the later soon, but a couple of wins, especially a win over one of the, one of the big four, uh, I think definitely say, says that you know, this squad, even though they've had a, a number of departures, it may still be good enough, if not better, you know, to, to really you know, mount a challenge for that three-peat. We'll have to wait and see if they can continue that charge in the next few weeks. But with regards to Gold Coast, they've had a fantastic start to the season. Bit of a hiccup here. Do you think there's any cause for concern? Because to me, I still think they're playing some really good football. They're not necessarily in this game last night, which was... More of an arm wrestle. They had a couple of players unavailable, but it just seemed like it just didn't quite fall for them last night. I don't think there's too much to worry about in terms of going forward, but it just seemed like maybe maybe didn't quite click for them last night. Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Maybe a reminder is a reminder for the squad that you know they're not infallible. That you know they had they had a great couple of weeks to start the season. Uh, a one-all draw last week up at the Sunshine Coast, perhaps yeah uh, that that. You know, playing at the graveyard that is Ballinger Park may may have you know caught them out, but a loss to one of their big title rivals that might have at least you know you know sort of you know, ground them to say look you know, the hard work doesn't you know it doesn't stop and I I'd, I'd almost be 
convinced that that's the message that Scott McDonald said after the game is that, you know, for all the good things that they've done this season so far, the squad, the job is not even begun as far as getting where they need to go. And I think this loss may have been a reminder that nothing comes easy in this league. Absolutely. It could be a very timely message to be delivered to the squad. Now, after the game, we had got about third and final interview of this show with the director of football at Peninsula Power, Ben Ryan. That's what Ben had to say after the game and his side's 1-0 win over Gold Coast Knights. Ben Ryan. Ben won the winners are here over Gold Coast Knights in a tight, tense match. You must be pretty happy with that. Yeah, we're delighted. Um, it was tight and tense, um, but a little bit too too open for me that last 20, 25 minutes. But yeah, to get three points against a side as good as them, uh, the, the run that they've been on, is uh, it's, it's really, really good. How important is a win, this is a win for you guys, given this you had a bit of a rough start to the year? It's another really tough opponent. You've come up with a, a really crucial three points here at home. Is it kind of a bit of a marker down that you're still in the in that discussion? Yeah, I think so. Look, I think there's um, obviously Lions, Olympic Knights have got off to flyers uh, of, of teams that were talked about anyway at the start of the year. And uh, we went to two really tough places to go. And I don't think many teams will go there and pick up um, more than maybe to draw in one and, you know. So, yeah, we did start slow, but, you know, we, we've had faith all along that we've got quality in the squad and we'll, we'll certainly be competitive moving forward. Are uh, happy with the clean sheet in particular? Yeah, the clean sheet in particular is, is something that, you know, you strive for as a team. And I thought we, we earned it. Um, you know, we, we probably wrote our luck a little bit in the first half, but we threw bodies on the line when it mattered. And uh, because of that, I think, uh, the, you know, the, the lads at the back in particular got their, their just deserves. Given you play these guys again in the cup in a couple of weeks, how important is this in terms of momentum and also a marker when you play them again, you've got that psychological advantage, if you like? Just, I forgot all about that. Yeah. You've just reminded us. Um, I don't think that'll, play, look, if anything, it gives them a, a marker as to you know what we're about, what, what we're capable of. So it might be a little bit tighter, the second one, because you know we, we've seen each other. But uh, I don't think today's result have any bearing on the next one. Uh, we just approach it the way we approach any game. And just finally a bit of extra motivation with Aaron Phillips' 150th game to get the win tonight? Yeah, and look, we're, we're fortunate we're at a club that do recognise milestones, achievements like that. And um, I think he's unbeaten on every milestone he's had. I think my, my 150th or whatever was a, uh, a way to Lions. So we got beat. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, it's a fantastic achievement. That's 150 league games. There's obviously plenty more cup. Um, yeah, and here's to another another 50 to make it 200. And thank you to Ben once again for his time there. Adam, we'll move on to the other two games played on Sunday night. I'll start on a big pun briefly. Starting off down at John Fredericks Park, it was a one-all draw between Capalabar FC and the Sunshine Coast Wanderers. Dylan Coggan put Capalabar in front and a 97th minute equaliser from Chris Yanceski. The Wanderers, are, they're very good at home. They just got out of jail on the road here, perhaps. Yeah, this is uh this is a escape because we thought that Calabar may they've came very close to their first win of the season. So um yeah, like I so said, it's again sign of a good team that that they they fought and fought. You now it sounded like that wasn't their night, but yet somehow, some way they've they've scored in ninety seventh minute. And a sign of a good team is uh one that will find a way to to sort of you know, get at least one point out of it. Absolutely, we have to sign of a good team also at Cornubia Park, where Eastern Suburbs came away with a 3-2 win over Logan Lightning. Goals from Alex Simmons, Morgan Saunders and Lawrence Canton, the 88th minute to give East the winners, cancelling out the goals from Matt Capello and an own goal for Logan. This is a really crucial three points for an East side, which is much changed from last season and has a lot of firepower in the front third as well. East are a nightmare form-wise to try and sort of figure out that this this game is an important win because these are the these are the games that probably if they're gonna yeah survive these are the games that they they must win they may not be able to match up against against the uh, against the top teams although history would suggest otherwise especially at home but for them to go on the road and get all three points from a team like Logan that's a uh, a very, very big, um, big statement for them, and also as well, it's, it's sort of, a, it's also on the flip side, it's a, a devastating loss in a way for Logan because I think again, they these are the games that they need to win as well. So, so yeah, it's that, that's an important result for for uh, East, 
and all of a sudden, two wins a day. If they beat Morton Bay in the in the catch up game, all of a sudden they're, they're, they're top half of the table, which I think a lot of people did not predict uh, at all. I think mean, I don't think we did either. So I certainly did not predict that, but it would be a great start for us. If they can manage that, I'm not sure when that catch up game is going to be played. Hopefully, it'll be in the next couple of weeks. The final game of, of round three. However, Adam was just finished up at Goodwin Park, and it was a two-nil win for the home side Olympic FC over Gold Coast. You know, goals in each half from Shannon Brady in the 28th minute, and a late goal from Danilo Kovacevic in stoppage time, securing the win. There was a couple of red cards we'll talk about in just a moment, Adam. But on the result for Olympic, it was a very even game, which they, again they were just able to chat a bit like the Lions Olymp- Lions Brisbane City game, a game of a couple of moments, and it was Olympic able to take theirs. Yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. Again, these top teams at the moment, they, despite being under pressure and despite sort of you know, minimal sort of chances, that when the opportunities do present themselves, they are taking it. Uh, Shannon Brady is obviously he's found some real form at the moment as as well. You know, coming you know, in, especially you know, playing for Olympic, we're sort of wondering where this player has been for a few years as far as forms. I know he had a bit of a you know a rough time at both uh, Brisbane City and Gold Coast Knights, but he, Shannon has really found a home at Olympic. I think obviously the style of Ben Khan's uh, teams, I think it obviously it's it's obviously agreed with him, and he's really been you know an asset to that to that uh, squad. So it's good to see him continue his score and a uh, debut goal for Danilo Kovacevic. Uh, at the end, we're pretty much in garbage time where Gold Coast were chasing the game, but uh, yeah, and they scored on the uh, on the counter. Absolutely, Shannon Brady has made that right hand side slot in the Olympic front third his own in the last twelve months. Hasn't he done a fantastic job with Gold Coast again? It's a bit like the Logan game, isn't it for them? Where the other game which we've seen of Gold Coast United this year on the stream, and they had plenty of possession and a lot of opportunities in the front third. Just. It's just not falling for them. It seems like there's a lot. It seems like it's not sure what it is in that front. Just, I'm not sure what it is. It's just not clicking in a way and way you would expect of a Gold Coast or a great pitch side. I'm not sure what the issue is. I think, it I like think it's not clicking. It does it. The, I think the attack. I I don't know. Based on obviously we haven't actually seen Gold Coast live and spoken to Gray Pittick other than from the previous. I'm not sure where it is. I, my my feeling, just from the outside looking in, is perhaps he hasn't settled on what his best front three is. Because you've got you've got a case of you've got Jason McQuarrie, say, you've got Jared Cole, you've got Sam Smith, you've got Shane Smelt, you've got Connor Smith. So until and that and that seems to be always interchanging. I don't think I don't think Gray has named those same three players for any of the of the uh, five games that played this season. So for for whatever reason, for unavailability or whatever, until they settle on that, I think that's going to be a real issue as far as them scoring goals. Everything else looks looks fine. I think they definitely uh, defensively they look they look very strong. A good midfield as well. So maybe it's just the fact that they're not scoring goals, and obviously when they get behind, it's, it's putting heaping pressure on them to, to chase games. Obviously, didn't help tonight losing uh, Justin McKay after ten minutes after a red card for a last man challenge. That obviously broke through the game plan completely out. So maybe this is a a um, sort of forgive sort of. You know, performance. Also, but also as well, adversely, that was a 10 on 10 for the second half, but pretty much after Takaro Carter was showing a straight red for what looked like he kicked out at uh, Blake Thompson from what we could tell from the replay. So, but again, it's a lot easier to cover a winger who's missing than a, you know, a defensive midfielder as, as a, a Justin McKay is, who's very, very important to that team. I'm going to give, to give you a red card in a minute. You're jumping ahead of my run sheet consistently here, and I'm going to give you a run sheet, That's a yellow card, and any more of that, and you'll get a red card. That's that's at the end of that. No more. That's your final warning of jumping ahead. But in all seriousness, I think you're right with Gold Coast. You know, it's just, defensively, they're really solid. They've got Shane Vitakangas, who who returned to, the, oh, returned to the coast this week, and he's going to be was named on the bench for the first time this weekend. And they got the defense is really strong and the midfield is very good as well. So it's just that front third. It's always a bit like Morton Bay, isn't it? This, that front third, and at some point in the next couple of weeks, they're going to put four, or, a couple of goals, four or five goals past somebody. Is, is going to click because the talent is there. Those players, a lot of those players, have been up and around the gold boot race consistently in the NPL over over the last nine, ten years. So 
you would imagine that the goals are going to come at some point because the quality's there. Oh, absolutely. And again, you, you, I absolutely agree that it's a bit like Morton Bay. It, it will come eventually. It's just when and whether they, they're still in a position to be able to sort of really mount a challenge that, where it does click. And that, that, that's going to be the big question is that if, how quickly it does sort of, uh, come all together. Because, and then this is just, it just shows that with the league itself, how tight this is. Because if, you know, if a Morton Bay and a Gold Coast United can finally start putting it together, all of a sudden, we got we got a racer, especially you know, in the, in the middle of the table, about you know, trying to jockey for position. And speaking of those positions, Olympic FC sit top of the table with five wins from five. Journey team with a hundred percent record so far in the NPL Queensland on fifteen points, and you have Lions on twelve, Gold Coast Knights ten, Peninsula Power nine. So it's a very familiar top four at this stage. And you've got Sunshine Coast Wanderers on eight, Gold Coast United seven, Brisbane Royal Academy seven, Eastern Suburbs on six. Logan Lightning 4, Brisbane City 3, Morton Bay 1, and Capalaba on 1. So a familiar tale at the top, Adam, but that mid-table is very, very interesting, isn't it? It is, and I think there's going to be some big games coming up where position, like points are going to be a premium, even... Uh, even even you now a point here or there, you know, if they're if they're on the road, I think again, it, every point in this league at the moment is going to be a premium because uh, I even think that you know, well, as good as Olympic are going at the moment, they they're not they're not going around decimating teams at the moment. It's a very very workmanlike approach for them. They're, they're just getting the results at the moment. So if someone can find a way to really sort of take it to them and challenge uh, a team like. You know, like a Lions, you know, certainly that, that, uh, backlash is only a few weeks away. Uh, it could, it could really sort of change the face of this league. Absolutely. Moving on now to FQPL1, round three action. And we'll go through the scores and we'll talk about the games in a minute, minute, Adam. But we'll start off the game on Friday afternoon out there at Toowoomba. It was a 4-1 win for Rochdale Rovers over the Thunder. Goals from Roberts, uh, Matt Roberts, um, Greg Cheshire, Sam Rigard and Alex, Alex Warlow. Mikko Crotchardi got a goal back for the Thunder. It was a comfortable 4-1 win for Rochdale. On Saturday, Magpies Crusaders, two goals from Junior Yabe, one from Angus Huang and one from um, Angus McKenzie in a 4-1 win over the Western Pride. And that one, Braden Doolan on the score sheet for Western Pride. Mitchelson, four, Kabulcha, nil. Goals from Adam Edgar, Ben Holiday, Jason Nightingale and Alex Sartori there for the visitors. And two games played on Sunday. Redlands United 1-0 left it late over Southside Eagles. Dean Altero on the score sheet for them. And it was two all up on the Sunshine Coast between Sunshine Coast Fire and the Brisbane Strikers, a late equaliser from Juan James in that one. Adam, we'll go back to the first game of the round. I think it was very important. Rochelle Rovers, a team considered to be a title contender, had dropped points last week. A very good bounce back away to a tough side here. Southwest Queensland Thunder, where a lot of teams go and struggle to get a result. Yeah, it's a big win for Rochdale. They they sort of been out of sorts the last uh, last couple of weeks. That lost the Caboolture at home, sort of really sort of hurt them a couple of weeks ago. And th- this is a, a big win against a team at the moment, Southwest Queensland Thunder, who who have, who are were up there. They're up. They were up in second coming into this round. So to to notch three points over them. For, for their promotion chances, even their their you know, premiership chances, I think it's, it's a big performance. I say just quickly, that was Mitchell Roberts with the goal for Rochdale Rovers, not Matt Roberts, as I said. So apologies to him on that one. Any other results there stand out to you? I think that was the Kabulta once again um, going down to ten men and giving up a bunch of goals. It seems like that something that maybe defensively is a bit of an issue for them. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't seen too much as far as the, the success of the red card and. And whatnot, but that seems to be a pattern at the moment. That's uh, that's ten goals that they've they've leaked, you know, down to ten men. So you're right. I think maybe with uh, you know, with red cards, they seem to mentally drop the bundle. But uh, so for me, the big the big result as well in that game is I think Mitchelton as well. That they had a big win last week over Magpies on the road, and they've, they've backed it up with another win on the road against uh, Caboolture. So they. They seem to have you know, really sort of you know, maybe relished the trip away after a really slow start, and uh, it's good to see them sort of you know, really sort of you know, you know perform and scoring goals as well. Because uh, as we said, said that you know they've definitely got a high-powered um, offense, but I think also as well the big big factor them would be the zero. I think uh, that would be a big relief that you know defensively they kept a clean sheet. Absolutely, not the first side who've gone up to 
Magpies which has picked up a very positive result and used that to, as a springboard to success down here in Brisbane once they've returned. We'll have a look at the table now in FQPL, Adam, and it is the Brisbane Strikers sitting top of the table with 13 points from their first five games ahead of Redlands United on 10, South West Queensland Thunder also on 10, Rochdale 8, Mitchelton, as you mentioned, up on the 6. Then you have Magpies Crusaders on 6, also Caboolture on 6, Southside Eagles 4, Sunshine Coast Fire 4, Ipswich Knights 4, and Western Pride 3. So a real log jam in the middle of that table there, Adam, between a lot of... There's almost half the league is separated by a single game at this stage. So it just shows you the fact that this league is incredibly even this year. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, we, we sort of always called it. It was going to be very, very. It's going very, very tight for those two promotional spots. I believe that you now there might be as many as six teams. I think that genuinely you could say we'd be going for two spots to go into NPL next next season. And uh, yeah, look, not not too many surprises at the moment. Strikers are obviously leading the way, but um, but yeah, like I said, there's there's plenty of uh, in the chasing pack that I think that you know will be ready to pounce if they start to falter. Absolutely, it's a very intriguing race. I think they strikers travel to Rochdale next weekend, so it'll be very interesting. Let's see if they can get back in the winner's circle in that one. We'll move on to FQPL Tour, as we like to affectionately call Adam the League of Goals. And there is one game to be played tomorrow between. North Star and Grange Thistle, so it's only only the five results this weekend, and it was I think I missed a couple of results last week actually, did I? Uh, yeah, you did, uh, and I said the uh, the focals over at um, over in my part of the world were not happy. That's why I got those stairs on on Thursday. Now, that explains it. Uh, <laughs> that will not happen again. I fixed that. That won't happen again. But we'll go through the results for round number five of FQPL two. And it was all, all these games were played on Saturday evening. It was a one-all draw between Magic United and Wynnum Wolves down there on the Gold Coast. Sanford United with a 4-0 win at home over Virginia United. Albany Creek for Holland Park, 3 in that one. A late penalty from Alistair Russell gave the home side the points in that one. Surface Paradise, 5. Tringa Rovers, 1. Just the one goal for Teddy Watson this week. He's still the Golden Boot leader on 11 goals, however. And South United, 4. Coomera Colts, 1. Our first win of the season for South United. What's the the most intriguing storyline for you out of this one, Adam? Is it Albany Creek with their late winner? Yeah, they they got out of jail there, but also as well, uh, I think with that is that it is becoming a race in two at the moment. A bit like last season between Caboolture and Turinga at the moment. It's the two playoff sides in uh, Surface Paradise and and Albany Creek that are leading the way. They've both got perfect records, and that is that game in a number of weeks' time. I believe it'll be at Lexbell Oval, the first clash between uh, Surface Paradise and Albany Creek. That could very well shape who who wins the premiership here because uh, both teams are are flying at the moment. And, uh, look, Surface Paradise obviously are still there. They really haven't been challenged this year. But, uh, look, I think from Albany Creek's point of view, to, to get back in the uh, – to, to get the three points with a bit of adversity, I think that will do well for them as well. Did I ever get an answer of you, by the way, but are you Albany Creek as well or are you purely Morton Bay and you don't have much? I'm both. Okay. I'm both. Very good. So to see what happens in a couple of weeks. I think you're right. That matchup will be absolutely fascinating between those two sides. It is very much like for the first time that Caboolture played Turinga last year, isn't it, when those two sides were off to a flying start. And it was obviously Caboolture who went on with it and got themselves promoted. This matchup could be very, very similar, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, look, again, as I, as I, as I said before, uh, service Paradise haven't really been challenged at the moment. They're, they're scoring goals, um, you know, obviously for fun at the moment. Another another five against uh, the Turinga Rovers. But um, the Corbany Creek, they, so they've had to get out of a few tricky spots to, to at least, um, you know, to, to keep their perfect record intact. So, again, it'd be a case of, you know, whether adversity and pressure, you know, whether that, that puts Albany Creek you know, in good stead, or whether you know, service paradise are just that much better than everyone else. Where, what, what's pressure? If you don't, you're not going to be under pressure if you don't put yourself under it. Absolutely, we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. We'll look at the table now. You mentioned service paradise and Albany Creek. They are both perfect to start the year. Five wins out of five on 15 points each. Surface paradise lead the table by virtue of their goal difference being superior to Albany Creek at this point in time. Then you have Magic United on nine, Holland Park Hawks on eight, Sanford seven, Virginia six, Wynnum Wolves five, 
Grange Thistle with a couple of games in hand on four points as well, so don't rule them out of the picture yet either. Then you have North Star on four, South three, Coomera two, and Turinga yet to get off the mark. Adam, so it's very interesting to see what happens there. We'll move on and talk about just quickly some of the action in the Kappa Cup over the last seven days because there's no NPL Women's or FQPL Women's this weekend because of these these Kappa Women's Super Cup round three ties being played over about a, the span of about a week here, Adam. And most of these games have gone according to according to plan, haven't they? Uh, pretty much. Obviously, uh, Lions putting a dozen on Annalee. Uh, well, you don't want to really celebrate, you know, double-figure wins. Annalee did take the lead in that game, however. They did. And then, they did. And then, uh, Lions sort of, I think they showed up. But, um, yeah, Tegan riding with, with five goals there. So, off the back of her four-goal assist in the league, it's, uh, she's going along there. But I think the, the big result, there's probably two big results for me, and I think they're pretty obvious. Is that uh, Peninsula Power beating beating East three two? I think that was a huge win for for uh, Peninsula Power. They they remain unbeaten this season in all competitions, and look to, to beat East are pro, are probably one of the sort of you know the, the the top powers in the MPL. I think that's that's a big big feather in the cap of uh, Peninsula Power. It certainly is a sign that the uh... The renovation work done to that NPL women's side in the last 12 months from Alex Smith that he took over the job there is certainly paying for, paying for it, isn't it? That side is certainly playing good football at the moment. It looks like they may very well be a contender to get promotion. They don't play Lions, I see, in round four of the Cup. So that'll be a real standard test of them. The other interesting result for me was um, Logan Lightning knocking off last year's beaten finalists, Western Pride. So not quite the same success this year for Western Pride, but... There's a couple of games still to be played in this competition. You've got Turinga Rovers hosting Maruchidor on Monday, as well as Kapalaba hosting Switch Knights and Rabina City hosting Olympic early next week. So still three games to go in round number three, and then round number four has also been changed. We might talk more about that next week, however. Yeah, um, yeah, like I said, I think that those three games... I think we pretty straight for Turinga and Maruchidor, excuse me. I'm not sure where that will go. Uh, it's, it's sort of hard to follow, hard to follow sort of, you know, the, the relevant form there. But uh, certainly those last two games, you expect the Palabar and Olympic to get through to round four pretty safely. Absolutely. You want to continue on with our performance of the week before we wrap this up? Uh, yeah. Not the sort of the obvious ones this week because uh, there wasn't too many uh, multiple goal scorers. Look, I'm look, I'm going to go with Joe Duckworth. I think uh, it's good to see him on the score sheet. Great free kick, uh, pretty much put the game sort of uh, beyond doubt. So, Joey gets my performer of the week. Absolutely, I'll, I can't disagree with that. Also, Joey Duckworth, the man who told us last year doesn't score goals anymore. Well, he scored one at the weekend, a terrific free kick in that game, and certainly well worth the win there for the Lions to see. So that's our performer of the week. Adam, let's join me once again. Yep, thanks, Scott. All right, that's the decision of the Brisbane Football Review's NPL. So we'll be back again next weekend to wrap up all the action in the NPL, men and women's as that returns next week. We'll talk to you all again then.